Welcome to the Film Photography Podcast for July 15th, 2010. 2010. 2010. In the year 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, uh, now, before we get started, first of all, there's so much to do that my mind is just blown. Seriously, there's just so much to talk about. So, there's so many amazing things happening, Dwayne. There are, aren't they? There, there within film photography. Did I bring everything in I needed to bring in? This is go. <laughs> you got stacks and stacks of stuff, and you're agonizing over the 0.1 percent that you might have left behind. You're absolutely right. Like, the mail's like a book again. John isn't with us this week, by the way. He will return. He will return in the future, but he's just not here for. I wasn't going to mention it. See if anyone gives a shit. (laughs) Okay. The only email we we received about a guest was when Joe Colbeck was on. I got a letter saying, "Why was this guy? Why was this guy on?" Well, he said film sucks. I mean, if you're doing a film photography podcast and you come right out and say something is, I mean, that's going to create a little bit of tension. You know what? Joe Colbeck works behind the scenes. He's a heck of a nice guy. And uh, the Film Photography Podcast, uh, I, I, I launched a YouTube channel, Dwayne. I, I heard about that. And between the last podcast and this podcast, I recorded two very small videos. One, one, of, them, what, one of them we recorded during the last podcast. Am I in any of them? Uh, am I in any of them? You're in the first one oh. a little bit, and I am doing the review of the Polaroid 300 camera. Okay. And Joe Colbeck, the guest who almost wasn't, the guest who will never be. Cut it. He's an editor. He's a film editor. So he cut it and put it on the uh, the YouTube. If you go to YouTube and look up Film Photography Podcast, you will find that video. I think it's called Polaroid 300 Re- Review. And the second video clip up on the site is um, what I call Fun with Close-Up Filters. Oh, okay. Which, by the way, I happen to have right here in front of us. I brought... On the show, three Koken filters. And the Koken one is called Koken Close-Up Plus One, Koken Close-Up Plus Two, and Koken Close-Up Plus, plus Jean Coquin. Yeah, Close-Up Plus Plus Three. Otherwise known as diopters. Yes. If you're a tech, um, tech head. A Flickr member uh, you know, commented on one of my photos that I used the filter. And he's like, oh, you know, I think these are called lenses. I responded, I'm like, well, I've never heard that. I think they're called filters. But now you, Dwayne, said, oh, they're diopters, which... That's another word for the same thing. Yeah. Well, the di- you can get a diopter on the eyepiece of your camera to match mm-hmm. your prescription, like of your eyeglasses, right. if you wear glasses. So, uh, so to you know, much to form, this this afternoon I'm going to take a picture with a camera to to show you something, Dwayne, that you may already know about. But I recently discovered, now I didn't discover it, although I'd like to think I discovered it, a technique. The technique exists, but I felt like I discovered it because I, I did not read about it first. But I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to take the picture. Now I have here, this is a Polaroid Pro Pack camera. 
Look at that. Yeah, this is really, this is something else. Now, the thing about the Pro Pack is, this one at least, it looks so new. It looks brand spanking new. It looks, even the style of it looks so new that you think this was just issued. If I had to guess, I would say this is a 1990s model camera. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? You know, the digital display on the back for a timer. Okay, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't think you would have seen that in the 80s. Yeah, 1990s uh, Polaroid Pro Pack camera. Um, it takes Polaroid Pack film, which you, if you cannot find, you can buy Fuji, the Fuji version of it. It's called Fuji FP100, C for color, or FP100 This does B. not spit out a print. You actually have to pull it out and peel it apart, and yes. that's how you get a print. Now, with the... What's fascinating for me about this is that up until just a few months ago, I knew very little about this format, the whole, you know, crack and peel. So for me, it's like, again, just like my mind just exploded. It's like... I prefer the crack and peel because I've always used backs for cameras like a Mamiya RZ, a 4x5, and I just have always felt comfortable waiting keeping it warm in your hands and then peeling it apart yeah. and voila. And I think the quality of the films are better too. I would have to absolutely agree. But uh, I'm going to take a picture of Dwayne with this ProPack camera and a uh, Koken Plus 3 close-up filter. because I, I like close-ups. So what's amazing about the ProPack is, strangely enough, this ProPack camera by Polaroid, <laughs> this is made in the 1990s yet, if you didn't have this flash, it has a pro flash attached to it, which is amazing. It's an electronic flash. But if you didn't have it, this camera still takes a flash cube, which a seems out of cube. place. Yeah, really, because those things were used in the 60s, man. Yeah, yeah, this seems really out of place. But I'm going to... Um, it's a Seinfeld reference. But you're, you're thinking about a clown from the 60s, man! I'm going to put the... Here, the flash is on already. It's already charged. Now, I'm shooting Dwayne close up, and I've done some experiments, and I know that I need to be one foot five inches from Dwayne. You move back. Come a little closer. Oh, okay. Right there, right there. Yeah. There's a little white tab here. You pull the white tab first. Then, like, another tab emerges, a black tab, and that's the film. And then it's really mind-blowing how, like, archaic this is, but it's so beautiful. When, when you pull the film out, it goes through a set of rollers which bursts a packet of chemicals. That's right. And smooths it over the film. <laughs> wow, man. Oh, man. Really? Really? Burst. I can almost <laughs> hear that packet burst. <laughs> so I'm going to do it now. There it is. I, I did it. And now I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait uh, a minute. We're going to talk for a minute while the, uh, the, the picture develops. Now, what I th find amazing about all this is because it's new to me. It's like opening a, it's like opening like a treasure chest, because it's something. I am a pretty much a 35 millimeter Canon FD, you know, Canon AE1 guy. I knew very little about this format, and quite frankly, didn't care. I mean, really, for the longest time, of like Polaroid, what? It's like, ah, who wants that? It's all smeary. But my mind, but my, mind, been, my opened mind, opened up, opened up, opened up, opened up, opened up, and converted. Exactly. And now I'm discovering this amazing world, these pack cameras. This is probably one of the last ones, but the first one, the automatic 100 Polaroid pack camera, came out in 1963. Wow. I have one. Of course. It's <laughs> I wouldn't expect it. It's amazing. So what I discovered, even though this is no discovery because it's actually, you know, not common, but, you know, 
people know about it, is when I take when I take the um, the film and I'm going to peel it now, so Dwayne can, can you know see the image. I'm going to peel it right now, peeling it. Oh, completely out of focus. Uh. <laughs> you could take the 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 gookie negative end, and you could place it on a piece of paper and do what's called a Polaroid transfer. See if I do this. A little roller. I'm now taking the negative gookie end of the print, putting it on a piece of paper. And Dwayne, check that out. That's amazing. It's did called the Polaroid image transfer. Did you know about that? Yes, I did. And what a lot of people used to do is they actually uh, did it so much that they found out a really, really good way to do it. And they would use like an, an, the Arche brand, which is a French brand of watercolor paper. Oh. And they would soak it, soak the paper in certain uh, types of distilled water for a certain period of time so it would maximize the ability. That might be an emotion lift. That's where no, the emotion... I think it was a, it was a transfer. Oh, it was a transfer? I mean, it, this, is, a, this is work like going on a piece of paper, even. Now, that image, even though, well, first of all, when I'm doing close-ups with a close-up filter, uh, I mean, once I measure it, you really can't move, because if you move, you're just out of focus. Right. That's This print is out of focus, but yet it looks good here in the transfer. Not that it looks, not that it looks sharp in the transfer, but it looks, it comes together. The transfer looks better than the print. It does. And it looks sharper. And looks, I don't say sharper, but it's more in focus. Why is that? I don't know. Would you uh, mind taking a shot of me? I would not mind taking a shot of you. It's going to be a little juggle because you have to hold the diopter. So. We get a measure? Yeah. Where's the, uh, where's the filter? It's so close, I could probably hold the filter. It'd be better for me to hold the filter. Would you like me to hold the filter? <laughs> You gotta get pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty darn close. I think closer yet. Yeah, that's about it. Are you? Mhm. Nice. Thank you, Twain. So, uh, uh, so on a future episode, you know, I'm gonna do a little research on Polaroid transfers because there's a number of books online for free. I believe I have a book on Polaroid image transfers. I should bring it in. I didn't know you were into it. I just didn't even remember that I had it until now. You have a book on Polaroid transfers? I believe so. I was, I was into it for like a, you know, six months maybe back in the – Do you like, have any of these transfers that you, you scanned? I might have them. I've never scanned them, no. Still lifes. Oh, still – yeah, still lifes work well. You know, yeah. a nice stucco uh, vase with some dried flowers coming out of it. Yep. Not terribly masculine, but they work well. In about a second or so, I'm going to do the peel on the image that Dwayne took of me. But the little video I did was mostly about using th these diopters. Mm -hmm. Because uh, on fixed focus cameras, which this one is not, but if you have a uh, fixed focus camera, you're really limited to how close you can get. And you can really just really sort of bypass that you know obstacle just by buying these filters. If you do a search on ebay.com for Koken filters... A whole world of filters will pop up. Most of these from the 1980s. Okay, and now peel. Excellent. It's so like offbeat and like like weird. It's pretty strange, wouldn't you say? Yeah, really. Oh, nice. I look like a character from like I don't know, like a The Flintstones or something. <laughs> That works remarkably well. Now, what's the paper that you're transferring that, uh, this, that back into? This paper is Epson Photo Quality Inkjet paper. Did they recommend using this paper? No, I just figured it might work. Well, it works, it works very well. Yeah. 
Well, I've I've tried different papers, and the papers, of course, based on the fibers in the papers, will give you a, a, you know a, a whole look, whole right. different look. So. Well, welcome to the Film Photography Podcast for July 15th, 2010. Let's do a little bit of news. Now it's, a tele, it's a teletype, by the way. Oh, yes. <laughs> Coming up October 28th, 30th, 2010 at the Jacob K. Javits Convention Center in New York City is the PDN Photo Plus International Conference Plus Expo. And I got an email from them because I, we went last year. Did you get yours? Oh, the, uh, the registration? Yes. Yes, I did not register yet, but I do have the email. I registered, and I will tell you that it is free. Um, why attend? This is I found this online. This is great. PDN, Photo Plus International Conference Plus Expo, is the most important event in the photo industry. Is that true? It's one of the big ones. I mean, it's the, I think it's the, the biggest one in the East Coast, if not the United States. Supposedly the biggest one in the world is Photokina in Cologne, in okay. Europe. But it's, I think it's the biggest one in the USA. Designed for professionals and advanced amateurs in the photographic and imaging industries, PDN Photo Plus Expo showcases the latest advances in photography. Attendees are able to explore hundreds of exhibits and attend a wide variety of photo- photography and imaging seminars. Hundreds of exhibitors. Hundreds. It literally are hundreds. Explore an inspiring array of photography and imaging products and services, all from the industry's leading manufacturers. And there are women there galore. Why, you may ask? Spokesmodels, Spokes to put in one word. <laughs> many, 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 I'm telling you, as a photographer of women, there are many, many uh, booths there with women that are hired to, oh, to hawk their products. Yes. But there are men galore, too. There are men galore, but I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, it isn't as, as prolific as like a boat show or a car show, but, you know, I mean, and they're not in bikinis, but there certainly are, there's eye candy. I think I would guess that if we were at a show similar to this and it was 30 years ago, that it would be more like because the first thing is like is that kind of a sexist thing? Well, I could tell you, having gone to this the very first one, which I believe was in 1990, you're absolutely right. There were far more spokesmodel-esque types right. than there are now because we live in a much more politically correct world. From the newest digital cameras hitting the market to imaging software, PDN. Photo Plus Expo. 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 Is your number one source for the latest technologies, hottest and hottest products. Gain inspiration and knowledge from some of the greatest photographers and imaging experts in the world. And you always see famous photographers walking around. I've never once been there. Luis Mendez. Luis Mendez. I've seen Douglas Kirkland. I've seen one of my favorite photographers in the world, Robert Glenn Ketchum, who's devoted his life to conservation through photography. I've seen, uh, I'll think of some more and I'll just reel them off when I think of them, but I've always seen somebody famous walking around and it's such a, it's a blast to see that. I am lacking paperwork in front of me, you know, some notes, but I can tell you that a filmmaker, and I'll, in a future episode, I'll have all the information. A filmmaker did a short film on Luis Mendez that I posted on the Film Photography Facebook. Did you I see saw it? that. I saw it. I didn't see did the you, film, but I saw your post. The film, it, it's like a 12-minute film. Mm-hmm. And it's just very mellow showing Lewis. And what Lewis says is all just matter-of-fact and very calming. And, and there's nothing complicated about the man. He gets up. He goes on the street with his uh, speed, speed graphic? graphics. Is it crown graphic or speed graphic? Speed graphics. Okay. With a Polaroid back. And he just... He dresses like a gentleman. Yes. And he, Impeccably. And he asks probably a thousand times a day, take your picture. 
take your picture, take your, it's that simple. How much does he get? I want to guess 20, but I could be wrong. That's a good price point. Yeah. I think he may get less depending, I, I think it depends on the location. But this filmmaker, gosh, I'm sorry, I don't know your name. I don't have it in front of me. I don't have internet access right now. Um, because John's not here. <laughs> Uh, go to film. Go to Facebook.com and type in Film Photography Podcast, and you'll get our page. And just scroll down, you'll see a a, a video about Luis Mendez. But the PDN show, which I guarantee you, Luis Mendez will be standing outside. We got to talk to him this time. Absolutely. Um, gain inspiration and knowledge from some of the greatest photographers and imaging experts in the world, with over 100 seminars, special events, and hands-on workshops. Stop touching me. <laughs> Whether you're a seasoned professional or an advanced amateur, we have the photographic education you need to strengthen your business. So it's in New York City. It's free. And uh, I guess Dwayne and I, Dwayne, the question is, are we going Saturday or Sunday? Well, Sunday people are they're, they're winding down to end it. I've, I've, I've actually worked at this show. Not just as an attendee, but I've actually been an exhibitor there. And then on Sunday, you just want to go home. So, I mean. Didn't we go Sunday last time? We did. And it was like everyone was just kind of like they were in burned mellow, out. They were burned out. They've been talking for three straight days. You know, the last thing they want to do is be interviewed. The up, up, up day is like Saturday. Yeah, Saturday is the big day. You think we'll go Saturday? We don't know exactly when we're going yet. I don't know. Well, but if a podcast listener is going to go, I'm sure they would like to say hello. Oh, so we should give them a heads up as to when. I yes. think we would go on Saturday. We're going to check back in with you guys, but uh, let's put it this way. If you're from out of town and you're going to this event, I'm sure that you'll go both days because you're tr- flying in from yeah, wherever. It's a major expense to go yeah. if you're you know, flying in, staying in a hotel. So there are like three – if you go to the site, P, just uh, Google PDN Photo Plus and you'll get the site and you can register. The registration is free and there's like steps. The first level is free. You don't get the seminars. Then there's like two additional levels you know, to – Sit in on seminars and whatnot. So. The Google. Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> news. On June 20th. This, this news is from June 20th. More than 1,000 photographs from the Polaroid collection are being auctioned. At this point, they've been auctioned. Yes, they have been. At Sotheby's in New York City as part of Polaroid's... <laughs> no, that sounds horrible. Bankruptcy court order. <laughs> I can't now, so I don't have the information in front of me. Maybe it's in here. Do you know that the owner of the Polaroid company, the one that went bankrupt, he was just accused of a Ponzi scheme? He was really doing some uh, things that he shouldn't with money. Um, I'm, I'm a friend of John Sexton. Not a super good friend, but he's a, a great black and white photographer in California. He was an assistant of Ansel Adams. I, I reviewed one of his books on this podcast. And he sent out an email about his, his feelings about this, this auction. Oh, when you he's Because some of his prints are in it. Oh, and his, his attitude is, you know, you donate prints to be in a collection because it's an honor to be part of a collection with other major photographers. You don't sell your prints. You donate them because you've been asked. And the integrity of that co- collection is the fact that it remains intact. It's not supposed to be broken up. So many of the people who have contributed prints to this collection feel that it's really wrong that they're auctioning it off. I think more than your friend is upset. I'm sure a lot of people are upset. Because it's not like those people can go fish out there. It's part of a court bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. It's stuck. It's considered a Polaroid asset. They want to get the money. It, yeah, it's locked in there, and there's no way you can get it out. The auction includes images by legendary artists and photographers going back to the 1940s. Some artists are upset. 
that the collection is being auctioned off, believing that they only lent their work to Polaroid. Now, I know some folks out there think that I've been a little Polaroid-centric lately. <laughs> and uh, that might be true. But this is... this. Bear with me. This is news worth reading. And especially since so far we've only... We've only talked about Polaroids. <laughs> On the podcast? Yes. I mean, but today. Oh, it's okay, though. Okay. Well, well it's, 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 very, it's a very popular thing. It's coming. I mean, you can go on Facebook with, on things other than you. People talk about yeah. it. Polaroid and Ansel Adams. In preparation for the auction, the entire Sotheby's building had been taken over by photographs. Many are Polaroids, but about a third are not. There are several rooms devoted to great landscape photographer Ansel Adams. More than 400 images. Denise Bethel, the director of photography department at Sotheby's, has been auctioning photographs for 30 years. We are lucky to see one great mural by Adams every four or five years. We have in the collection 30. Adams had an unusual relationship with Polaroid and its founder, Edwin Land. They were good buds. Yeah. They met in 1948, the year that Polaroid camera was first marketed. Adams not only helped develop Polaroid technology, but he also helped the company acquire photographs from artists like... Andy Warhol, David Hockney, Imogen Cunningham, and Harry Callahan, as well as photographs like Dorothy Lang and Edward Weston. One of the reasons why Ansel used, if I may interrupt, one sure. of the reasons why Ansel used Polaroid is a lot of people don't know, Ansel, uh, Polaroid made a positive-negative film. Did you know that? Polaroid P slash N. And what happened was you'd peel it apart, yes. and you'd have a positive print, and you'd have a photographic negative that you could actually enlarge. Black and white? Yes. Was it the Polaroid 665? I don't know the number, but I know I just refer to it as Polaroid PN. Yeah. So Ansel would use it and make enlargements from the other uh, negatives. And it was decent, yes? De- really good. And instant. I've used some of them. D- excellent. The negative portion, did you have to actually bathe the negative portion to, to, to get the gunk off? So yeah, sodium sulfite, a weak sodium sulfite solution, yeah. Interesting, interesting. And the really, the, 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 the ironic, the, un- the annoying thing was the speed of the print and the speed of the negative were two different things. Well, you know what? Look at the next paragraph, Dwayne. You're not going to believe it. We tend to think of Polaroids as having no negative. But Adams pioneered using Polaroid Type 55 positive-negative film. Oh, my God. You can see many examples of small Polaroids and large murals made from the same image. Take, for example, Adams' photograph of sugar pine bows. Yes, that's in the book, uh, by the way, that we reviewed, um, Ansel Adams' singular images. Sugar pine bows and lichen. Lichen. Thank you. And lichen. That too. Yosemite, that's in all, they're from Yosemite National Park. The large picture has almost as much detail as a small Polaroid. There are also dozens of tiny 4x5 Polaroids taken with the same camera millions of Americans use, like two self-portraits of Warhol sneezing. I've seen that picture. I've not seen that. Bethel says that when Sotheby's appraised the collection, the small Polaroids were a revelation. Lee Rosenbaum, who writes for the blog Culture Girl... That's C-U-L-T-U-R-E-G-R-R-L. <laughs> Says Adams took consumer cameras to the next level. There are huge polar. This is the surreal and phantasmorphic category. Phantasm- phantasmagoric? Thank you. Surreal and phantasmagoric. There are huge Polaroids by Chuck Close and Lucas Samaras. You know these guys? I've heard of Chuck Close. I don't, I don't know Lucas. Samaras used to. Samaras used every type of Polaroid camera, including the mammoth 40 by 80 camera that takes three or four people to operate. Oh my goodness! Many of his images are filled with brilliant yellows, greens, and magentas. He was also incredibly inventive with the SX70 camera. 
According to Christopher Mahoney of Sotheby's, there are a few minutes after a Polaroid slides out of the camera when the emulsion is still soft. You can actually manipulate this emulsion, move it around, and he came up with these results, some of which are surreal and fan-tasmagorical. Can you say that word? Fantasmagorical. They're phasmatastical gorical. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of them are as much drawings as there are photographs. It's, it's, it's sad that we have to have this chapter, this little chapter. Bankruptcy and negotiation. But it's just life, isn't it? Like, there's really no complete upside to everything. Well, if you're the CEO of a company and you're doing a Ponzi scheme, yeah, I guess it is life. You know, I don't know. Business is, you know, business is such a big responsibility, and it sucks when uh, it goes this way. Polaroid has gone through bankruptcy twice. A number of artists upset about the auction wrote letters to the bank, bankruptcy court in Minnesota, who essentially said, "Too late," and that the time to get the works out was when Polaroid first went bankrupt eight years ago. But some artists say back then few knew that Polaroid was going bankrupt. Some artists are still trying to negotiate for their works. John Ruder feels some of the most standout work is part of the Polaroid collection, though his photographs are not part of the auction at Sotheby's. After working for Polaroid on and off for 30 years, Ruder is now executive director of the 20 by 24 studio and has 100 of his own photos in the larger Polaroid collection of some 16,000 images. He says he is more sad than angry about the auction. Having been through the dissolution of the company, he says, not only is my work in the collection, but I can't get it. And a lot of it was my best work at certain periods in my life. But I also saw people who were incredible people who made this film and made Polaroid a great company lose their jobs for no good reason, really. So the auction is almost the funeral in a way, because it is the last act in the dissolution of Polaroid. And, uh, and who gets all these prints, whoever bids on them? Whoever bids on the prints gets the prints. The money goes into the bankruptcy court because Polaroid Corporation clearly owed millions of dollars to banks. And then when they went bankrupt, those banks, they're not paid. Mm -hmm. So the bank seizes all the assets and needs to auction everything off to try to recoup the money that is owed to them. Do you know I was living in New York City back, I believe it was 1984, and I was walking down a street, and there was an original Ansel Adams, Moonrise Over Hernandez, his most famous photo, for sale, an original, matted, signed for 200 bucks, and now it would be like, I don't know, 10, 15,000? I just thought really? I'd throw that out there, man. Why, how much was it? A couple of hundred. Now i got to tell you about the internet, Dwayne. You know, here's this, and this, is NPR, this is an NPR posting. By the National way. Public Radio, for those of you who yeah. are not in the United States. And, you know, when someone posts an article, you can comment on it. And, you know, this is the bad thing about the Internet. <laughs> you know, you post this article, very comprehensive, very nice, and then there's always someone, you know, it's like... The folks at NPR really need to find a way to filter the advertising garbage found below. Just a cheap way to advertise without paying for it. Advertise what? <laughs> I'm just saying, there's always... You know, it's like... There needs to be some more love and harmony on the Internet, man. There's none. No, it's, it's, I'll probably talk about it later. So much. Well, I'll talk about it now. On the Facebook, if you go to the Facebook, there's a Polaroid page. It's the Polaroid company, the current Polaroid company. And people, for whatever reason, harbor anger at the new Polaroid company. And I believe the new Polaroid company is called Summit. 
and I, they might be right here in New Jersey. The Summit Group. Yes, the Summit Group. They they bought the name Polaroid from the bankruptcy court. They went in and said, we want this trade name. And it appears to me that they're really trying to do something with instant photography They're again. making new cameras. That's right. Now, everyone's on their case. For example, on the Facebook, I guess you could look at it as kind of funny. Like you could chuckle at it because they'll post something about the new Polaroid 300. And there's like 15 angry responses of, I want my SX-70. I want Polaroids. When are you going to start making 600 film? You guys are trying to steal the thunder from the Impossible Project. It's like, you know, Polaroid Corporation didn't have to try to get back into instant photography by doing a partnership with Fuji. They didn't have to hire Lady Gaga. They have some pictures online of her in England in a meeting with all these old Polaroid cameras talking about what can we do with instant photography. Caught in a bad romance. I, I don't know. I think there's something inspiring about that. And I think that I think the new Polaroid uh, Corporation can use a little slack cut, Dwayne. Look, I understand it's not the old Polaroid, but that's gone. And it's not coming back. And Edward Land is dead. I worked for a while for a manufacturing company. And, and the one thing I learned in, in is that you know, when you buy something, it's oftentimes has been bought from somebody else and they bought it from somebody else and the name was bought from somebody else and the components were bought by a fifth party and it's packaged by a sixth party and it's marketed by a seventh party. And when you buy something as a finished product, it's gone through so many incarnations and revivals and changes and it, it's it, – there's nothing pure about anything. If you there's, buy a Mitsubishi car here in the U.S., I don't think it's made by Mitsubishi. I don't think it is either. I think – I don't or think – maybe the first Honda. It's like one of those – just a brand on you it. You tell me there isn't a component in a Harley-Davidson motorcycle that wasn't made in the United States. Of course, there's got to be something on that bike. The electronics, the, the, the steel, the chrome that came from a different country. It has to. Yet if you were to tell a hardcore Harley person, Oh, no, man. It's the Harley USA. No, it's not. Look, I'm, it's assembled here. But, I mean, things come from different places and things go through changes. And people who don't get that, they don't get that. They don't understand. People who don't understand manufacturing are those people that are filled with rage. They don't get it. You know, filled with rage is a perfect way of putting it. And I think that there needs to be, and I'm sure there is one, but there isn't one. I need to write it. It's called Internet Book of Etiquette. I don't know if it exists. But, listen, if you want to tell Polaroid you want 600 film, great. Tell them you want 600 film. But you don't have to be a oh, uh, quote-unquote rag about it. You don't have to like, like you know, have internet rage about it. You don't have to like be angry about it. It's like, hey, give these guys a break. You know what? Maybe they don't know that that we want the 600 film back. Tell them. But you, there's no need to tell them what you want to see out of their company in such a horrible way by beating them down. They may, they may have no clue what you want. Right. You know, but so many people think that, you know, somebody somewhere is plotting against them. And it's just, you know, it isn't as malicious as you think. It may not be malicious at all. Maybe it's they like, don't even know 600 film even existed. There'll be like a post like, hey, post your favorite, like, you know, Polaroid 300 prints. And the, 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 the uh, responses are, that's not even a Polaroid camera. I know that's a Fuji rebranded Instax. When I posted my video, in five minutes there's a post. That's a, a Fuji Instax camera. 
And I said it last podcast, and I'll say it again. So what? Uh. <laughs> it's branded by Polaroid, and they're promoting it here in the country, and they're getting it. They're, they're trying to get it into stores to see. Here's our chance to see if if instant photography is popular. If the masses will bring back instant photography, because if people don't buy it, they're gonna kill it again. So. Wait and see. Anyhow, speaking of which, we're still in news, by the way. <laughs> Impossible Exhibition opens today. We should call this the Impossible Project Podcast. <laughs> I, I thought it was. <laughs> I don't know if you know about this, Dwayne. July 5th, 2010. Today, the Impossible Exhibition opens its doors in <laughs> A-R-L-E-S, France. <laughs> Arl. Arles, France. Orlais. Arles, France. Where it runs until July 13th alongside the famous Ricon de la Rune Photography <laughs> Festival. Ricon de Rune? Maybe you should read this one. Here's the important stuff right here. Thanks, uh, Let's see, where is it? Uh, the highlight of the exhibition are experimental photographic works taken on beta color film material of the very first pre production r- test runs. Impossible upcoming color film material is therewith taking its very first steps into the world, while it is still being fine-tuned and finished into all details at the factory in S-shade? E-N-S-C-H-E-D-E. It's as bad as B. shade It's as bad as B. The way things develop at the moment, Impossible's upcoming color film material proves to be a sensitive, experimental, and charming film material with unique coloring. All right, I'm waiting for that. Wait for yes, the color film. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that impossible film is the most exciting thing to happen in film photography in a very, very long time because the film is so unpredictable. And I really mean that. I, re- I mean, color film is color film. You buy it, and it has its certain characteristics, and that's it. It's all the same. This is exciting because where on earth, seriously, where on earth will you ever see a company? release prototype film that you could play and experiment with. I will tell you where. Nowhere except the Impossible Project. Nowhere. You're not going to get that with Fuji. He's a real nowhere man. Because Fujifilm is going to do all their testing and, you know, if they're testing, I'm sure when their emotions don't work, they probably get very violent over there. Like, Like the guy who makes the film who didn't get the emotion right. He's like, what do you call it? Harry Carey? Harry Kitty. Harry, Harry Carey, Harry Carey. Mariah Carey. So they get all Mariah Carey. Speaking of ragging, listen, last time I'm gonna talk, like, I'll talk about I'll, I'll drop it here. Ragging. Go on Flickr.com and go on the Impossible Pot Project group. And it's like, people, please, please just leave them alone. No, no, no. Already established they're making experimental film. Just take it easy, man. Take it Take it easy. Take it easy. Yeah. It's like, God. I was standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. I was singing a lot today because I just feel like it. <laughs> Look, I got to tell you, these guys have been very upfront about the limitations of their film. But anyway, let's, let's move on. Excellent. I would like to talk about some things that I take for granted. Two things, very simple. First is Flickr.com, which I haven't really talked about in a long time. 
Because I'm not a member. At this stage, I know. A lot of people think I should be, but I have certain reservations about it, but go ahead. At this stage of the game, I just assume that everyone's on Flickr.com. But I should not do that because some people are going to iTunes and searching film photography and will stumble upon us. Now, this whole idea of doing a podcast and the whole uh, evolution of what I'm doing, uh, the movement of what I'm doing, evolved from me joining Flickr because it blew my mind. Third time this show. blew my mind so i base everything on my Flickr and the interaction with the communities on Flickr, which led to this and having said that Dwayne, i'm shocked that you're not on Flickr. the reason why i'm not on Flickr, besides just it's one more thing that i have to do that i'm having a difficult time finding time to devote to is the fact that um you know, people take images and they and they steal them and they use them for different things. And I just feel kind of uncomfortable having that happen. And it's a difficult thing, watermarking pictures and going through all that. I was like that for a very, very long time, Dwayne. And I will tell you. And there are people who post their stuff on, on, on Flickr. And then in their profile, they have like in all caps, Do not, under any circumstances, blog or do anything with my picture. But all I have to do is right-click and hit save as, and it's yours. I mean, it's as simple as that. Without express permission from me. It's like, whoa. Now, Flickr allows you to, has controls. You could uh, copyright it, or you could uh, post it as a public domain picture. Mm-hmm. And there are different levels. You could post your picture so that no one can grab the URL. No one can grab the URL to embed it. Mm-hmm. Many times, uh, I'll do a blog. I'll go to Flickr.com, and I'll grab a picture. Because that user made it embeddable, which means that they're allowing me to blog it. Okay. So I don't ask permission because that's well, the way it's posted. It's given. Yeah. I grab the URL. I post the picture as part of my blog. Then underneath it, I put text as to whose picture it is with a link to their photo stream. Now, I think that's a responsible way to act. I know what you're saying, Dwayne, because I've seen it in action. So have I. Photos can sort of, you know, I guess disappear into the ether of the internet, right? Sure. But I guess the question is, what do you, I mean, Dwayne, what are you going to do? I mean, you own so many images, mm-hmm. and does it really matter? Because I don't ultimately, know. no one's going to do anything commercial with it, because you'll catch that. And if someone does something malicious, like claims it to be their own, you probably eventually catch it. Right. So, what's my problem? Yeah, like, like couldn't you be a little freer? Because you, you can go on Flickr and set, set everything, so you cannot... Write mouse clip, save as. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. The only thing someone can do is control something, something, and capture their screen. Mm-hmm. But they'll have your image, but it'll be so low resolution. What good is it? Yeah, I mean, what are they going to do with it? No one would, would be able to print it. You could also put your image up at a very low resolution. So I, I've seen a lot of people on Flickr go through these you know, protection stages of a very low resolution print, uh, a URL that's not grabbable, and um, I think it's I think it stinks because you know many times I'm doing stuff on the web like my blog and I'm trying to help promote this stuff and I can't get access to it and it it initiates a whole process of contacting the photographer and uh, a dialogue that really is unnecessary in my my opinion. But well, I'm going to rethink this now that you brought that up. I didn't know you could you could remove the right click save as capability and. I, I, you're, make, you're making a lot of sense to me. I mean, we never had this conversation before, so. I know a lot of really 
professional photographers, some of whom are pseudo famous, and they don't they don't go near it. They don't they don't have anything to do with it. Well, I think a lot of people think it's an amateur site in many, many respects. A professional probably feels that way, but I'm, I treat it like I don't treat it as such. I treat it as uh, a way to get my work seen by a lot of people. It does get seen by a lot of people. And I like to it. think that I'm working in an arena of emerging artists mm-hmm. as opposed to established photographers. Right. As by last time, we had the gallery of listener photographs. I mean, those those I thought some of those images were actually gallery worthy. Oh, they were. They were amazing. Some of the people who listen to this podcast have a tremendous amount of talent. Some people are artists, but um, you know, unfortunately, uh, commerce versus art. I mean, if you're going to get your 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 work seen in a gallery, it's like it's commerce. It's so much business, quote unquote, business associated with it that I guess people have lives and have jobs, and they happen to be good artists, but they'll never be able to get that image in a real gallery presentation because who has the time? Especially if you have a family and kids, yada yada. It's a lot of work too. I mean, you so, have to simply uh, go to portfolio reviews yeah. and have to have to spend a lot of money doing it. You're basically cre- the thing with getting into galleries is you have to produce the work first, yeah. And then, then okay, how can I make money with it? Which is, you know, it's just ridiculous. You have to go around the portfolio to galleries and knock on doors and go to portfolio reviews and hopefully somebody likes you. I've I've just dismissed the idea of making money with photography and uh, I feel comfortable with that. If you know, it's just. After spending so many years in uh, making low-budget movies, I've given up on making money at all. <laughs> yeah, just do what you love, man. I know that you sounds know. very hippie, but and it's like, well, who's going to put food on the table? But speaking of images and posting and um, progression, I produced a prototype Ooh. postcard of Catherine. This is a woman that I shot in my studio about three weeks ago for. Um, a 42nd Street Pete project. He brought the girls in. They're uh, his, friends of his. And I'm glad I have the image because I like the image and I put it on a postcard-sized piece of paper. And my idea is, with the Film Photography Podcast and listeners' images, is to produce limited edition postcards of work that will have an image of an image from a photographer that listens to the show with information about who's in the picture, what film it what you know, what camera it was shot on, what film stock, and a little bit about the photographer on the back as just a promotional item. And it's fun. So you it's it's highly possible that you may get an email from me, or as they call it, a flicker mail. Flicker mail. Flicker mail. Flicker mail. Asking if I could use your image to, to put on a postcard. And you may say, well, what, what do you, what's going to go on with this postcard? Well, right now, the postcard is going to go in packages, all the free film and the free cameras we give away. Mm-hmm. They're just going to get stuffed in those and uh, given away. Did, or, you pr- did you print that yourself? I, I printed this on my uh, Epson inkjet printer. Looks good. It looks decent, right? Yeah. This image, by the way, which is in my pool and in the FPP pool... Is shot with a uh, Kodak Holiday Flash 127 camera. Really? Yeah. 1953, the camera. Is she one of uh, 42nd Street Pete's girls? Yeah, he has like these grindhouse girls. Did I meet her? Mm-hmm. At the. Uh, at, did you go to one of Pete's uh, screenings at the Pioneer Theater? Uh, no. Okay. That's where you would have met them. She's so. very attractive. Oh, very attractive woman. Catherine. 
And then the progression from there is just uh, a dream stage right now, but to put out an actual magazine twice a year featuring listener photography, as well as sort of a collection of all the articles that I've done over the last year, as well as listener articles. So there is a great progression going on, which is very satisfying. I've gotten contacted via my blog from people saying, hey, can I do a guest blog? And I'm like, great, send me a guest blog. This way, I could post articles from other people, from other, you know, uh, other people's opinions about products and techniques. So it's not all just me, which is uh, kind of a great collective, I think. So that's what's going on. I think the uh, the postcard thing idea is great. It's a great idea. Yeah, it's 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 uh, in a good place right now. So I'm very excited about that. Speaking of Fuji Instax cameras. I got a letter from Michael Sherman, who says, Love the podcast. Great stuff. Hope you keep it up and don't disappear the way so many other podcasts do. (laughs) I guess there's a lot to be said for uh, being consistent. Uh, It's everything. I mean, it's people, they get in the habit of listening to you, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. Yeah. Ours is not the reason why. Ours is but to do or become permanently deactivated. I only use film cameras, and it's great to have a place where I can learn more about using film, get some new ideas for projects, and hear about the recent trends in film photography. I really enjoy using my Kawa 6 medium format camera and my 35mm Spotomatic with those Takumar lenses. Oh, they're wonderful lenses. Really? Oh, my God, yeah. Pentax. What is a Tac? It's Pentax? It's a, it's a brand name, like, you know, and I used to have a Pentax 6x7. And there's almost like a filmic cinematic quality of those lenses. I mean, today all lenses are just the same as far as I'm concerned. They're just made to be sharp. But back then, we're talking about the early to mid-90s, you know, film camera lenses had a certain characteristic that made them different from other film camera lenses. And Takumar certainly had their, uh, at least with the 6x7, had their own cinematic kind of quality to a beautiful. In your April podcast, there was a lot of talk about the Polaroid format. But what about the Fuji Instax? I used the Mini 7 in India and enjoyed giving away snaps to kids and families. I think they've been out a couple of years now. I wonder what Polaroid is going to do. <laughs> Michael, I have to tell you, this is going to blow your mind. Damn, what's the mind-blowing? Number four. Number four. <laughs> Polaroid Corporation has rebranded a Fuji camera. It's basically the basically the Fuji Instax. No. It's called the Polaroid 300. And I haven't done the test yet, but I'm going to take a drive to Unique Photo in Fairfield, New Jersey. I'm going to buy Fuji Instax film and use it in the Polaroid 300 camera. They are fun to give away, as we discovered, Dwayne, when we went to that movie premiere. And I brought the Polaroid 300, which is the same as the Instax, and we gave away pictures. People love getting a Polaroid. <laughs> giving a Polaroid. They love getting a Polaroid print. It's just something about the the tactile quality of, and it's they just you know it's a print. It isn't look at this LCD in the back of my camera. It's a print. It's fun. So yeah, I so I I opted to go the uh, Polaroid route, and I just went on JapanExposures.com, and they make Instax film that on the borders mm-hmm. have characters. There's a Japanese character called Do- Doimon. Dorman? Dorman? <laughs> and how about is this? Is it Dorman from Seinfeld? Hello Kitty, do you know that? Yeah, I know that, sure. They have Instax 
Hello Kitty film. Oh, that's cool. It's really cool. So I bought a brick of it. A brick. I bought five packs of Hello Kitty Fuji Instax film from JapanExposures.com. By the way, what's fun about going to JapanExposures.com? There's a gentleman over there. His name is Dirk. God, I hope I remembered his name correctly. Japan Exposures. Everything's in yen, but the site is in English. Comes up in English. Mm-hmm. But if you want to buy something, the checkout is in yen, and you go to the Google. And you do a yen to dollar conversion so that you can figure out how much you're spending. The Google. Because when you pay via your credit card or via PayPal, it's going to do the conversion. Automatically for you? Yeah. Okay. Maybe like a few shekels to, to do the conversion. Japanexposures.com, you'll find some Fuji film over there that you may not be able to find over here in the U.S. Like Hello Kitty. Instax film for your Fuji Instax camera or for your Polaroid 300. Or Kitty Carlisle. So, <laughs> Nobody gets that. The, no one. The no one. Polaroid 300, by the way, is being heavily pushed on the home shopping network. Really? Oh, I saw it. I saw it. You know, the guy, it was a guy and a girl, and he's pushing it. I saw it. I saw that one. He calls it a Kodak. He's like, this Kodak. He, the gentleman who was doing the pitch, you know how like on home shopping network, they get kind of, they're like really driven. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing like a sales pitch. They're pushing to, for you to call that number. And I think, like, over here in the U.S., a tissue to clean your nose is called a Kleenex. Right, which is just really a brand name, actually. It is yeah. not. Or a, a copy of a piece of paper is called a Xerox. Right. Which is a brand name. This guy, him, for him, the, the, a Kodak means camera. Mm-hmm. So he's like, this Kodak. Polaroid. Like, what? It's not a Polaroid. I mean, it's, it's not a Kodak. No, he didn't correct himself. He just, he just kept he going. Used. He just kept going. So, hey, Michael, thank you for your letter. Thank you. Send me Kodachrome, oh yeah, and I like the podcast. This is from Randy Babagitis. <laughs> Randy Babagitis? Babagitis. <laughs> okay. B-A-B-A-J-T-I-A-T-I-S. Babajda. Babajda. Randy, how do you pronounce your name? Babajda. I just got the package you sent me and holy crap. Roll of Kodachrome. You, sir, are the man. You are the man. You you even stuffed a bunch of other goodies and the infamous Pink Delicates CD in there. I am floored. Jam packed. Your generosity is overwhelming. I can't wait to try out the Kodachrome. I will for sure post my less sucky shots in the Flickr group. <laughs> and if I'm lucky enough to get a good one, I'll send you a print. Hey, you know what, Randy? That would be cool. What's the address you'd like to receive it? i got to send you that. The P.O. Box, Randy. Just send it to the P.O. Box. I'm doing a, a photo postcard swap with people at filmwasters.com soon. Film wasters? What's film wasters, Mike? I don't know. If John Fideli was here with his uh, laptop, we'd know. Oh, yeah. People who waste film or get wasted with film. <laughs> with smell fumes or something. And printed some extras, so I'll send you one, too. Yes, please do. We want to know what's going on with film wasters. Yeah, definitely. Somebody email and say what film wasters is. I think we may have even talked about it before. Really? Yeah. I stand corrected, then. I shall sing the praises of your podcast loudly amongst all of my photography buds. <laughs> And not just because you gave me goodies, but because it's a great show and you gave me the goodies. 
Thanks again, man. No, thank you. Yes, I, you know, what can I say? I'm not going to get all reflective here. This is a very special time in my life. That I'm able to do this podcast and uh, give so much shit away. I love this Polaroid camera. Hi, my name is Butcher. I'm Brain Chomper. And I'm Gambling Man. We're here to tell you about our show, The Killer Reviews Podcast. Each week we discuss movies new and old, talk about our lives, and every once in a while we'll have interviews like Fred Vogel from Tag Pictures, Daniel Harris of the Halloween franchise, and Charles Gibson, the special effects advisor for Terminator Salvation. We also have special episodes like our full review of the Alien Quadrilogy, a Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective, and Clash of the Titans. And we're also very, very sexy. Especially you, gambling. Yeah. Our podcast is available at KillerReviews.com. And if you sign up for our forums between now and 2012, you enter a chance to win a romp in the sheets with Big Butch. How do you feel about doing Book of the Month? I would love to do Book of the Month. Book of the Month, Book of the Month. It's time for Dwayne's Book of the Month. Book of the Month is Magazine of the Month. What do you got? Well, there's a magazine that's published here in the United States of America, and it's one of my favorite magazines of all time, and it's called Lenswork. And the reason why I like it so much is that each and every magazine is a perfect bound, rather small, maybe it's a, I don't know, five by six inches book. It's actually a book that you can collect and keep issue after issue. It's only in black and white, so you have to like black and white photography, but the printing is exquisite. It's one of those uh, one of those deals where they use multicolored inks on a, on a high-end press and just get that beautiful three-dimensional look to the images and it's a whole host of different kinds of, of photography that's featured in here you'll see landscapes you'll see uh, photojournalism you'll see a, a lot of images from people who work in different countries so it it by all means does not have just an exclusively american slant to it and it's you know it's pretty it's pretty long too i mean they have like uh you know i don't know 90 95 pages per issue and uh it used to be available in newsstands it isn't anymore as of about a year ago you can't get it on newsstands, but you can go to lenswork.com. Oh. And uh, they do offer uh, a, a subscription there. And a lot of times if you go and just punch in Lenswork on the Google. The Google. Or on the Bay, you can buy back your shoes. And I really recommend doing that. I mean, if you just go on eBay and, ends, and put Lenswork into the book section and someone sells one for, you know, 10 or 15 bucks, I recommend getting one because it's, like, it's just like buying a book. The quality yes. of reproductions in this magazine equals or exceeds the quality of reproductions that you would buy in a fine art photography book. It's that good. And they have so many different photographers and so many different stories and so many different interviews. It is really worth your time, if you love black and white photography, either digital or film, uh, to, to check out Lenswork either on their website or just go on the internet and somehow find a copy of it and, and, and pick it up and give it a look because it's uh, it's the kind of thing you hang on to and put in your collection and every now and then pull out and look at the prints and read the interviews and, and gain a whole new insight as to what people are doing out there. It's wonderful. It's called Lenswork. How often does it come out? I believe it comes out every other month. And do you know 
how long it's been published? Like, how many oh, years? I don't know. It's it's probably since, uh, let's see, I'm looking at an issue now, and it says uh, number 46, April through May 2003. So it gets, you know, this is 2003, the one I have in front of me, so it's got to be back to the, maybe like 1990. Really? Yeah. Probably 20 years or so. Well, thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Michael. I uh, want to say a few things. Firstly, uh, we're doing a camera giveaway. Camera giveaway? Uh, being kind of quiet because um, we're not going to pull the winner today. We're going to let it ride uh, a while. And what we're giving away, and the response so far has been really great, is a Agfa Clack. Agfa Clack. Didn't we give one of those away already? We did. And when we gave away the Agfa Clack, after we gave it away, I was still getting letters. People really want to check out our tubby little friend, Agfa Clack. Because that's what the Lamography Society calls it. They're like, uh, they call it uh, your tubby little friend. We have an Agfa Clack that was donated by Dan Domi. Dan, as you recall, Dwayne, was a film photographer podcast listener who came to visit me, and we recorded a segment which was on the last podcast, July 1st podcast. So Dan brought down a Agfa Clack. Agfa Clack. Uh, in a beautiful leatherette case, and we're giving it away. And all you need to do is send us an email at filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. In the header, put Agfa Clack. Then please tell us just a little bit about yourself, what you do, you know, why you enjoy film photography. And uh, give us your address, your mailing address, and we'll enter you in the contest. We have another camera. Uh, but before that, I need to say um, quickly that if you're entering contests, you can't just send me a generic email that says, Enter me in all your contests. <sighs> it just doesn't work that way. Come on. It's just too... It's not easy. Because we actually take the entry, roll it up into a little nub. Old school. A ball, and put it in a box. And then do we pick it out of the box. So if you send one email that says, Enter me in all the contests. I can't. I'd have to, like, get up out of my desk. I mean, it's not a big deal. I'm not saying I don't want to do this. It's just not practical. And make a photocopy, and then write on it all like it's too. Listen, too much work. Listen, I, I have enough work here. I have enough work. I have enough work. Make my work easier. If you hear a camera on our podcast that you'd like to win, you need to send a separate email if you'd like to enter two contests per month. There's no, you, you, you know, you can enter as many contests as you want, but just send a separate email. The second camera is a Polaroid 600 camera. Nice. Which is immensely popular right now because at the end of this month, Impossible is going to release their Polaroid 600. You know, gosh darn it. I don't know if I mentioned. Is the Polaroid film, color film that's coming out for SX70 or Polaroid 600? I don't know. I don't know. Going back to my notes. I'll find that out. We're giving away a Polaroid 600 camera. In it is a pack of Polaroid uh, PX600 monochrome film from Impossible with three exposures missing because we took them here in the studio. So you're getting the camera, the film loaded in the camera, and the three shots are in the package. Curses! Exactly. And we're going to do this drawing on August 15th. Now, if I get enough entries, I will try to get a second camera so that we have two cameras to give away. So, in the header, put Polaroid 600 camera. It tells a little bit about yourself, about why you love film photography, 
and your mailing address and I will gladly enter you in the contest. The website is going under a massive revamp. Which one? Uh, filmphotographypodcast.com. Okay. So that's kind of in the, in, in the happening stages. A lot of cool stuff's going to be happening there. No, no word yet, but that's in the works. <laughs> I got an email from Lisbeth Ortega, and she is with photojojo.com. What is photojojo? I don't know. I'm going to tell you what it is. I can tell you I love saying it. Photo Jojo. Photo Jojo. Don't forget your mojo, Photo Jojo. Photo Jojo. I guess you could. Photo Jojo. Photo Jojo. I just like saying it. So Elizabeth says, hey, it's Elizabeth from Photo Jojo, a DIY based newsletter store. We partner with the Impossible Project, the guys who save Polaroid, to sell some limited edition Rainbow SX70 one step Polaroid cameras which are especially cool since they're pretty rare. They're made between 1977 and 1982. Well, I can tell you, Elizabeth, that I had one in 1977 that my parents bought for me for the holidays. It's a white camera with a rainbow stripe down the front. Cool. It's a very classic Polaroid. We only have 50 of them, and they come with two packs of PX100, so it's super-duper special. Well, Elizabeth, that sounds like something I would almost say. Super-duper. We're the only shop carrying them. We're going to release this on Thursday, the 24th of July, and really want Polaroid fans to hear about it. I love your podcast site and thought you might be interested in posting covering the cameras. Thanks for reading and hope to hear from you. Well, I can tell you. I went to the site. Elizabeth sent me a a JPEG of the product, and it's really beautifully refurbished, repackaged with two packs of Impossible Film. Two pack. (laughs) Now, the price tag isn't cheap, but... If you have the money, it's a beautiful item to have. And I guess you can do one of two things. You can go there and support Photo Photo Jojo, which is a very cool little site. Or if you want to go the economic route, that the economic route would be to take your chances and go eBay to try to fish your own uh, Polaroid SX-70 camera, which I'm sure you're not going to have a guarantee that's going to work. And I can tell you... No, you will not. You will not. And I can tell you that when I bought my Polaroid 100 automatic that I bought it from... uh, I bought it from Nate at option8.com. And Nate refurbishes Polaroid cameras, uh, re-shanks up the battery compartments on those type of cameras, and sells it to you with a guarantee. Like, hey, man, I tested this, and it works. So even though you're paying more, there is sort of a a satisfaction that it's going to operate functionally and uh you know it's ready to go so check out photo jojo and thanks elizabeth for dropping the email and please if you can do something you can do this spread the word about filmphotographypodcast.com this is a letter from ace freely (laughs) shock me make me feel better back when i was in kiss gene simmons would always bring in polaroid cameras Put on your black leather. I can tell you. The year was 1977. Are you a Kiss fan? Yes. Well, it was. I mean, I like Kiss. I'm just, I'm not, look, I grew out of Kiss, okay? <laughs> so many people have not, though. Full-grown adults still put on the makeup. Yeah. In 1977, the same year I had my Polaroid SX-70 rainbow camera, John Carucci came running up to me, like running up to my house, like... 
oh my god, you have to believe this. First of all, I'm like 14. The album released is called Kiss Love Gun. Love Gun. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. right, I mean, this is right out of sp- This is Spinal Tap. Really? I mean, this is Spinal Tap. You're a 14-year-old kid, and the, you know, the album is called Love Gun. And they're on the cover, and it might be a Frazetta painting. And they're on like a pedestal, all the members of Kiss, cartoon cover. And at their feet are all these scantily clad women. And it's called Love Gun. <laughs> and inside you get a, a paper gun. You know those those cardboard guns? You, you snap them in the... Yeah. Little, yeah, a little pa- cardboard gun. And it's just kind of funny. You don't think about it when you're 14. It's like, Mom, can I have a love gun for Christmas? Yeah, go ahead, whatever. It's just so weird. Anyway, running up to me, he's like, You're not going to believe it. Ace Freely sings. I didn't know he sang. That was a big deal. Because mm-hmm. Ace Freely, the lead guitarist, former lead guitarist of KISS... Never sang on any of the albums. And then in 1977, he sang Shock Me. Shock me, make me feel better. Shock me, put on your black leather. Shock me. Subsequently, two years later, Ace Freely released a solo album with other members of KISS. They each released a solo album. And out of all the solo al- albums, he had the hit called New York Groove. I remember that song. It's, it goes like this. I'm back. Back in the New York Groove. New York. It's almost a disco York. song. I'm back. In the New York Groove. In the New York Groove. It's a great song. So, how did I come up with that? <laughs> oh, you said Ace. Oh, this is from... <laughs> oh, yeah. This, is from, this letter's from Ace. Not Freely. Ace... Hardware. <laughs> you know. Bachelder. Bachelder. Yes, Ace Ace Bachelder. By the way, we read a letter from Ace last time. And he, this is a follow-up letter. It says, much enjoyed the podcast this month. Huge thanks for sending me film. It was a pure joy to hold that Kodachrome in my hands. They are safely tucked away in my fridge, waiting for my film camera to return from its CLA trip. What does that mean, CLA? Clean, lube, and adjust. Nice. Thank you, Dwayne. That's why I'm here. That truly I, is why I'm here. I can't, I can't wait to shoot with these films. I'll post some worthy shots. So, Ace, Ace, shock me. He uh, sent his camera out to get CLA uh, cleaned, uh, lubricated, and adjusted. They adjust the shutter. Okay. Yeah. It's July fifteenth, and I want everyone to know that we now have six months or less to shoot Kodachrome film and get the K14 process done. At the only place in the world, which is Dwayne's photo in Parsons, Kansas, Dwayne Polk, you does not own it. I do not own it. I wish that I did. K-14. I have put an offer out there. I have a private stash that I bought in 2009 of fresh and somewhat fresh Kodachrome 64. If you're committed to actually shooting it and getting it processed, because you will have to shoot the film, mail it to, to Dwayne's in Parsons, Kansas, which I include an order form for, and you will have to fork up like I don't know, ten bucks plus shipping, to get your Kodachrome slides back to yourself, and of course pay extra if you want them scanned at Dwayne's. But if you're committed to that, I will send you out a free roll of Kodachrome 64. Just, just send me an email at filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com, and I will be more than happy to send you the film. Send me a nice email. Just t- tell me. I, I want to hear something about you. I want to know who you are. I want to know where you are. Yeah, we're going we're to come to your house. Exactly. You're not going to believe this, Dwayne. I have the most shocking news for you. Hit, hit me. Do you know that we are one hour, 15 minutes into this podcast? Are we really? You're not going to believe that. 
No, I didn't. I, I just flew by. Ace, thank you for the letter. Uh, we're going to read one or two more letters, then we're going to skid- skedaddle out of here. This is our summer podcast, so you guys can't expect it to be like this long, drawn-out no, affair. No, it's too hot. The, <laughs> it's too hot. Man. Our last podcast, July 1st, which was our bonus podcast, because now we're, I guess, we're fortnightly. Yes, every 15 days you now have the Film Photography Podcast. <laughs> last podcast was 2 hours, 30 minutes. That is insanity. It is insanity. <laughs> to listen to, too. It's like, oh, my God, you got two hours. The reviews have been good, Dwayne. We oh, got, the emails complain. have been good. I'm glad. I'm really happy everyone wants to hear. Hey, you know, I had some generic information for everyone out there. I meant to, I meant to mention it when I was talking about Flickr earlier. And it's about tags. And a lot of people don't know about tags. But when you post a blog or post your photo on Flickr, there's something called tags. And you should really fill those in because that is what allows your photo to get picked up and put on Google searches Yahoo searches, and other robotic computers out there. Now how does someone go about attaching a tag to their photo, Mike? You upload your photo to, to Flickr.com or Photobucket or other, some other service, and then there'll be a blank space that says tags. Now, there may be an explanation of how to use it. For example, if you want to tag your photo film photography podcast on Flickr, you need to put film photography podcast in quotes so that it shows up as a tag as film photography podcast and not just three tags as film, right. as photography, and podcast. Is it the same way for any grouping of words? Like if you wanted to say Niagara Falls Vacation, you'd have to put that quotation. Yep. Okay. Now, some sites like Blogger allows you to use commas for that. But other sites like Flickr want you to use quotes. So there's no standard, but just read the information. But if you're posting a picture, a Kodachrome image, let's say, from Niagara Falls, and you want to tag it so that your picture will show up, you may want to put up your uh, information about you. So if you're Ace Freely, back, back in the New York groove, I don't know how that goes. And in. you want to put Ace Freely Photography, you put that in quotes, Ace Freely Photography, or just your name, Ace Freely, so that if someone Googles you, they're Google. That shit will come up. <laughs> If it's Kodachrome, you may want to, you know, put Kodachrome, which without quotes, just the word will show up, or Kodachrome 64 in quotes. You may want to put the name of the camera you used. You may want to put the lab you used. This way, when you search in your own photo stream, you could search these tags. You may say one day, you may say, self, how many pictures do I have in my photo stream that I shot on Kodachrome? And if you tagged it, you could then type Kodachrome. And it'll tell you. And all your pictures shot on Kodachrome will just come up in front of you. And that's kind of cool. And there's also geotags. And geotagging is going in and, and selecting the actual location of where you shot that image. And a location is, uh, GPS trackers use this. What is it called? Longitude and latitude. Exactly. You'll, you'll type in an address. Parallels of latitude, meridians of longitude. And it will come up on a little map, and you click OK, and it'll say... You know, this was shot in Butler, New Jersey, and if you click on it, it'll show you exactly where. The it's rubbish. Back in the day, we used to navigate by the stars. Geotagging on what? GPS. If you have an Box. iPhone and you shoot a a picture, as John would say, picture <laughs> on your iPhone, it geotags it automatically. Wow! So if you upload it from your iPhone directly to Flickr or to Facebook, it attaches the geotag. I have a theory that the whole cell phone industry was was funded and started by the FBI. That's a, that's a conspiracy theory. I know, but I believe it. 
Well, let's put it this because way. Because who doesn't have a cell phone and everybody knows where everybody is at any given well, moment? Well, I am a law-abiding citizen and I do not do anything that breaks the law. Neither so do I, so I really don't care. But I, I, just, I, I, I'm, I'm like the most, you know, I'm not on, I don't think I'm on like a top 20 FBI list of wanted people, people know where I am. But I grab your point 100% because unless you're like in the woods off the grid. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast or you're going to Flickr, going to Facebook or going to MySpace, you're on the grid, my friends. And there have been a lot of criticism of Facebook because when you log in, if you're transparent and log all your information, including where you went to school, your favorite foods, your favorite websites, they're creating a log of you that unfortunately they're using for commercial purposes because then they're targeting advertising at you to send to you to buy products so this is a very dense topic but first of all if you log all that information to facebook everyone knows everything about you everything if you're uploading your photograph from your phone instantaneously any it's not even like the powers that be Dwayne. it's like anybody that's on the web will know exactly where you are. If you have a phone in your car, you're but, tracked. But it doesn't have to be turned on? No, it does not. In my Saturn, which is a, a car made by GM that went bankrupt in the crash Saturn, of 2008. Saturn, a different kind of company, a different kind of car. Why? Because you're not going to be around that long. <laughs> There's what's called a OnStar. Mm-hmm. And the whole pitch of OnStar is that, you know, and they use these wacky examples. Like, if you have a rollover and you're in a ditch and you're pinned in your car, like, <laughs> on star. It's like, first of all, the 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 the, the uh, exploding bag in your car that saves mm-hmm. your life may trigger the on star. But if you can move your detached arm to the button to press on star, it's like ding, and this pleasant voice is like, "Hello, Mr. Rasso. Uh, how may I help you?" I'm in a rollover. For God's sake, can you please send some help? And they send an ambulance. Now, that's a very fun thing, but if you're in that truck, regardless of whether you subscribe to OnStar or not, the device is in the vehicle. So if I just scored, like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, like, I don't know, a few thousand pounds of heroin from over the border in my Saturn, mm-hmm. you know, it's over, baby. You're busted. Yeah, it's, that's, it's, it's hence done. my point. I'm sure the law enforcement world loves all this technology because it just, you know, makes it easier to find people. You know, as far back as 2001, not everyone had, uh, you know, what do you call that uh, internet, the one that you don't have? What's it called? Oh, DSL? Yeah, they didn't have DSL or cable modems, and everyone wasn't as wired as they are. I mean, I mean wired. I mean, uh, you know, in my office I have my computer and I have face, you know, I go to Facebook to post information about film photography. And I can tell you people live on Facebook to the point where I, where I say, doesn't anyone do any work? It's unbelievable how much, like, you'll go to the page and this is some, you know, they post every every 30 minutes. And they're jacked into their, their phone now. Yeah. So it's like a picture. from your phone. From the beach, m- mobile phone to your Facebook account. So Catherine, who is on that postcard, the Film Photography Project postcard, which I mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago. I'm her Facebook friend, and shes I can tell you exactly where she is, and I'm not an FBI agent. She is on a beach <laughs> because she posted a picture from her mobile phone. 
And there's something very cool about that and something unsettling at the same time, you know. This is a true story, and it's kind of funny. About four years ago, I was driving from New Jersey to Providence, Rhode Island in a, in a blizzard. <laughs> and I was on I-95 in Connecticut, and as I was coming around a curve, there was a car that had skidded off the road and turned on its side. So you have to understand, it's it's late, it's about midnight, nighttime, I-95, Connecticut, blizzard, car sitting on its side, no one's around, I gotta pull over and see if this person is okay. Goodness. As I pull over and kind of climb up to the top of the car, the car door opens, mm-hmm. a very young, beautiful girl climbs out, who's clearly intoxicated. Sounds like out of a James Bond film, it's, minus the intoxication. This is entirely true. Okay. And I, I said, Okay, look, I'm going to call 911, because you could have, I know you've been drinking. <laughs> broken bones. You could have broken bones. And so I call 911 and have a very difficult conversation with the operator as to the location of where I am. I just made a reference to a mile marker. I didn't know a road. And she finally understood, okay, all this guy knows is a mile marker on the interstate. Right. And uh, they brought the girl in my car, it's nice and warm, you know, she looked okay, but she was buzzed, her car was wrecked, and I'm waiting for the cops to come, and someone else pulled up, and I guess they felt uncomfortable with me, my hair was really, really short, and I looked kind of sinister, and I guess they felt like, this was like a husband and wife, I guess oh. they felt more comfortable with the girl going in their car, because they said, hey, what's going on here? They pulled over too. I said, well, you know, I helped her out of her car, I called the cops, and they said, well, why doesn't she come sit with us? And I was like... You're kidding. Yeah, they said that. And I thought, well, what? Do I look like... I looked a little crazy, but why? Because I'm a single grown man? I was the first one here and helped her. I didn't drive away with her. They want to move her. They wanted to move her to their, to their car. And I said, you know what? I've been sitting here a half an hour and the cops didn't come. You're welcome to her. And I let, I let them take this girl. And I just oh, drove oh. away. Who were they? I don't know. It was a couple? It was a couple. A married couple. They looked very safe. And they could have been sinister. They could have been sinister. But I was so offended by it. And I was so sick of the fact that it took 30 minutes and no policeman showed up. And she was like, yeah, I'll go with them, whatever. I was like, fine. I mean, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. For all, I know, for all you know, they could have groped her. <laughs> they could have been doing anything. Wow. And I was trying to be nice. So True story. You're saying that if this were like... Cell phone age, it would have been a different story because they could different just... Different story entirely. You know, I could have taken a picture, could have been geotagged, proof of, of what happened. You know, for, I don't know whatever ha- what happened in that incident. You I know? think that still that maybe something like 911, which here in the U.S., I don't know if 911 is overseas. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, phone number you call where this job is to send help. Mm-hmm. It's an emergency network, 911. If you call 911 on your cell phone, they're not sophisticated enough to track your cell phone to know where you are. They're going to, like, question you. Where are you? Sir, I don't know where that is. Can you play, please give me some more information? Like, I don't think they can, can track you. No, they can't. You know? Because I called 911 by accident about two weeks ago. <laughs> I thought I was calling my police department. You really did? Yeah, I thought, I thought 911 punched you into the police department, and you could say, give me this desk. Oh. It they, isn't, though. Did it they isn't arrest though. you? <laughs> no, they got mad. They said, I can't understand why you called 911 when you shouldn't have. And I said, well, they made a mistake. I didn't, I didn't mean to. Right. What did we learn today, Dwayne? A lot of stuff. We did. 
but auctions and, and Polaroids and lens work, lens the book work of the magazine. Month. Uh, we've um, got some great letters from some folks. Hey, filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. Please do send us a letter. And please do tell us how you found out about us. I get a lot of emails from people saying, I was searching film photography on iTunes. And that is fantastic. It really, really Wunderbar. is. Wunderbar. Yeah. So a lot of exciting stuff going on here in the dead of summer. Oh, it's brutal. I should call it the, the, the heat of summer. It is so hot here. It is broiling out. I can tell you that in my studio, you know, it's centrally air-conditioned, thank God, but the air conditioner runs constantly because it cannot get to the temperature because the heat is so intense outside. Yesterday, Dwayne, I think it was 102 degrees out. It was like 102. One guy told me it was 106. I don't know if it was that hot, but it was it's, it was 100 plus. It's miserable. But it's summer. I don't go out much. <laughs> I don't go out much at all. And uh, everywhere I go is air-conditioned. And um, what we learned today? You know what we learned today, everybody? I feel like I'm on an episode of South Park. We learned today to stop bitching. Unless you really, really need to. Here's, a, here's another bitch. I thought about this the other day. I thought about this yesterday when I walked in from the brutal heat into a freezing cold, beautifully air-conditioned Starbucks coffee shop. Inside, they were playing Louis Armstrong. It was like walking into heaven. And I sat there with Joe Kolbeck, of all people, the editor who isn't invited back to the show because no one wants to hear him. <laughs> I sat there and I said, to, I'm like, Joe, can you believe the amount of complaining that people do? Do you know what people complain about? They complain about Starbucks. They complain because it's on every corner. They complain that there's too many Starbucks stores. They complain that there's a Starbucks here and two feet away there's another Starbucks. And I say, why in God's name are you complaining when there's this beautiful store that employs people that will serve you coffee? They're not twisting your arm, by the way, to buy their coffee. Oh, that coffee's expensive. Well, you know what? For a price of a cup of coffee, you're enjoying their and this is not endorsed, by the way, by Starbucks. You're enjoying their air conditioning, their free music, their free Wi-Fi for your computer where you can go to Flickr.com and do some photo editing. What in God's name is there to complain about? I, uh, a different. Di what in God's name is there to complain about of the Impossible Project? You're not forced to buy their film for your Polaroid cameras. Hi. It's like, uh, like uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Why, Dwayne? Tell me. I don't know because people like to complain. I come from a family of complainers, which is why I'm so stressed out all the time. And you know, you just can't sit down for like five minutes. My family watches like like The Factor and, and things that just people arguing about stuff constantly. Listening to radio shows, people constantly arguing. I don't understand it. I don't understand people that just like to constantly be in a state of negative arousal. I don't get it. I declare that the film photography podcast is a complaint-free zone. If you have a complaint, bring it somewhere else. A dear friend of mine, a beautiful model from Philadelphia named Dominique DiCaprio, who we shot actually here in your studio. Oh, I know her. And she just moved. She moved to Las Vegas this week, so my friend is no longer in Philadelphia. But I used to go hang with her on uh, 
on the main drag in Philadelphia. I got to know the city of Philly really, really well last year. And there's a Starbucks we used to hang out in, and people used to come in with musical instruments. Oh, and they really? wouldn't even they wouldn't even buy coffee. And they would sit with their keyboards and just play. And they never kicked him out. They let him stay there. They were like, yeah, you know, every now and then he buys a cup of coffee. Right, so we right. Don't, we don't bother him. Like, great. So, you know, if we're if we're lucky enough to have film photography and we have the spare time to practice film photography, I think my feeling is to just enjoy it. And when you're about to complain, just think about it. Say, you know what? It's really nothing to complain about. You know what? Well, you know, it's kind of wacky what these guys are doing with their, you know, PX600 film that, you know, if you don't store it in the proper temperature, it'll just crystal into nothing <laughs> but you know what that's what it's about so enjoy it people complain because their expectations are not met immediately or to what they expected like if someone expects polaroid to be resurrected they expect it to be immediately the way that it was and yeah. if, it's, if it's not then rather than be happy that it's here at all they get aggravated that something isn't the way that it is the way that they thought and that's what gets that's why people complain it's why, that's why people complain, because something is, doesn't meet their expectations. Yeah. So, like, don't What do they expect Starbucks to be? Exactly. Uh, what it is, a little less expensive and not so many of them, well, you know, right. it, it, the world doesn't work that way, man. And people do not use the Google, and I'll tell you why. Someone on the uh, Polaroid Facebook, you know, posted their complaint about, you know, make a Polaroid 600 film. Well, you know, if that person Googled Polaroid 600, they'd get those press releases about the fact that Polaroid's supposed to be issuing a new camera at the end of this year that uses Polaroid 600 film. So, like, dude, call your jets. My, I posted. I said, I said, hey, here's, here's a link to this press release issued at the CES show. Hey, man, don't worry. Be happy. And that's what I'm going to leave everyone with today. Please do send us an email. We'll be back on August 1st. Hopefully it will not be as hot. <laughs> Hopefully not. So until then, enjoy this uh, very summery music by the Pink Delicates. Here I go, gonna follow. Sudsy tornado you can
见。